Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. And uh, while we're doing that, uh, just uh, had somebody just a second ago ha- had a word. Just and I want to I want to say this in case this is for you and to be thinking about this uh, because it's really in- encouraging. And um, it might be something that you get ministry for. At the, at the end of this message, we'll do ministry, and you can respond to the Lord. But uh, uh, Marley just came up to me just a minute ago and said, I really had this impression like there's some people that need to hear that God is for them. So if there's this sense that you're kind of walking forward and not really feeling like God is for you, then just even as we were singing this song, we want to give you our best, Lord, everything for you, everything and nothing less, all of that. Well, what she was, it was encouraging. She said, I felt like the Lord was saying, I want to give you my best, you know? And so anybody that just needs to receive that, then I just want to pray and I'll I'll go and pray now, but father, in the name of Jesus, would you just release that sense of just how much you really love us, how much you're for us? Would you pour out your blessing and give people, everyone here, Lord, a revelation, a revelation that you want to give your very best and have and want to keep doing that in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Okay, so uh, last week we started a little series called Beyond Ordinary. And the idea, just for a reminder here, is that in the church calendar, we're in the time between Pentecost and Advent. And that, that period of, of the church calendar is called Ordinary Time. And it's the time where we look forward to the second coming of Christ and we prepare ourselves as disciples. And so in the month of August, we wanted to do a discipleship series. And we talked last week about the kingdom of God and being disciples and finances and how finances just kind of put our discipleship on the ground. And that Jesus came preaching this message of of, uh, giving our whole lives to to his way, to the kingdom of God, to righteousness and And to be transformed in all of our lives. And we saw that it's important for us to tell the story, to connect with the story of Israel, to connect with the story of the Bible, and to tell the story in a way like when Jesus comes on the scene and says, repent, the kingdom of God's at hand, like that the story makes sense. And we don't go, what's he doing? What's that about? But we need to tell the story in a way that that does make sense because that's what he's calling us to. Our whole lives, mind, heart, body, soul, everything being given over to him. And uh, so this week, we want to take it a step further. Here's the main thing today, this discipleship and life together, is that following Jesus means learning to be disciples in the context of community. Okay, so we do that together. Let's say that together. This is a little sentence here. Following Jesus means learning to be disciples in the context of community. So throughout the New Testament, all these letters, they're addressed to groups. Well, there's a a couple of them that are addressed to individuals, but they're mainly addressed to groups, to the saints, you know, to the church, to the brothers and sisters, you know, and so it's to community, and that's how we walk this thing out. That's how the book of Acts develops, and that is the story of our history as the church. And if you were to go to Ephesians, which is always a great book to go to, just in general, um, Y'all know my bias. I love Ephesians. But it starts off and it says, to the saints in Ephesus. And then he goes on and says, praise be to God of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And then he goes on to give some handles about what the church is, what this 
community, what this life together uh, is. And uh, if you're wondering about life together, I got that title from a famous book by a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he wrote a book called Life Together, and it's about discipleship together in the church. So discipleship and life together. Ephesians 1 verse 22, this is a picture of Jesus being head over all things for the church, which is his body. And God placed all things under his feet and anointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So this first picture is of the body, but it's also we talked about the kingdom last week. Well, the church is the focal point of the reign of God. He's head over all things for the church. Now, we're on a journey. We do that imperfectly. We don't, nobody does it perfectly. And so we don't always see everything looking out, working out like it's under the reign of Jesus. And yet, this is what we look forward to. This is the trajectory that we're on. Does that make sense? Okay, so another picture then would be where the building of God from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So, so we're a body with all the different parts and we're a building like we're like Peter says we're living stones that are being knit together. And I think of stones as maybe not fully shaped when in the process of getting It's like he's working on us. There's stuff that's got to get chipped off and so that we can fit together rightly. Does that make sense for a picture? Okay, another picture from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9. He said, it's been given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which was kept hidden, ages past, was hidden in God who created all things. He goes on and he describes us as the eternal purpose of God. We are the administration of the mystery, and that means that we are like God's economy for getting Christ out to the world. And we're going to say some more about that next week and in the week after that, about the mission of God, where we've got a mission. And, I mean, I could go on. There's other pictures here. Uh, marriage is another picture in Ephesians 5. We'll say more about that specifically. But the point is that all of these things, in all of these things, God brings us together as the church, not as an afterthought, not like, oh, wow, all these people are saved. Let's see, we've got to like, do some activities and events until Jesus comes again. It's not an afterthought. It's plan A. So it's, it's plan A. It's what, it's what God's got for us. And, and so it's like he's coming for a bride that is made ready for himself. Jesus is coming again for a bride made ready. And so that's the end. We're trying to get ready and mature, grow up. And, but this is also the training ground by which we get ready for meeting him. And the way we do that is we live life together. And Things don't always go the way we want. And this becomes, church life becomes like a, a laboratory, if you will, for, I'm looking, searching for a word, and I came up with laboratory by doing that. Um, so it's this experimental place where we learn to 
to, to grow up into Jesus, into, uh, into his headship, into maturity is how Ephesians 4 says it. So we're a part of a story. And God calls this guy Abram. And this is our story too. We've been grafted in to this story. God calls Abram and he says, through your family, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so Israel eventually shows that they're just like everybody else. They reject God as king. And the prophets come and they say, hey, there's coming another king. Another Messiah is coming. He's going to make things right. He's going to bring redemption and wholeness. And he's going to bring us back out of exile and into the land and all that God has for us. And Jesus Christ comes, right? And so Jesus gathers a, a group of disciples around him. And one day Peter goes, you are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus says, you're blessed, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that from yourself. That is a revelation that came to you from heaven. And on that revelation, I'm going to build my church and nothing will stop it. No gates of Hades. Nothing's going to stop this thing from being built. And so, uh, you know, Jesus dies, goes to the cross, raised on the third day, ascended to the right hand of God. Ten days later at Pentecost, the spirit is poured out. And this is our story, you know, this story that started with Israel, but expands to the nation, starts with the land and expands to the whole world. That's good news. You know, so the spirit comes and all these people are like, what do we do now? And 3000 people are baptized on the first day. And the story of Acts is our story. It's the story of the church, the story down through the ages, down through the millennia, you know, is our story of the church and us growing and all the bumps and warts and all that kind of stuff along the way. Now, that's pretty easy to say. You may not say that was pretty easy to say, but I, that's pretty, I said it. That's the story. Why is it so hard to do? I mean, if that's it and we're just rocking along, you know, why is it so hard to do? People. <laughs> us. We are why it's so hard to do. Can I get it? Somebody like, amen, you, you, you preaching now. You, you starting to preach. You know, it's us. We are in process from the most mature to the most immature. Everybody's on a journey. Nobody has arrived. I haven't arrived. You haven't arrived. I mean, you might just look at somebody, your spouse. You haven't arrived. You haven't arrived. <laughs> Careful. But it's true, we're all at varying stages of healing and wholeness and getting over brokenness. You know, stuff that happened in middle school, wow. Hard stuff that happened. When I was a little kid, I was six. Hard stuff happened. Stuff with dad. Stuff with mom. Stuff with sports teams in high school. Stuff with music and stuff with relationships. Being picked last or whatever. All these things they, they form this, this mix on the inside of us. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. This mix on the inside of us so that, you know, it's like at the most unexpected times, you know, somebody just said something real normal to us and we're like, ah. <laughs> you know, and, and when we do that, it's not, it's not the situation that's going on right there in the moment. It's something that's down in here that's been messed up that hadn't been worked on in a long time. So when I'm driving all those years, driving with my kids, you know, and, and somebody wrong cuts me off and t waves high at me with not all the fingers up. 
waves high like that. And I'd tell the kids, I'd say, hey, guys, just want you to know that's not about the driving I was doing. They did say that I drive slow, but it's not about my driving. That is about something going on on the inside of that person. There's some unresolved something, and that outburst wasn't about what just happened. And that's a great way of, you know, we all experience that. We all know we've done it, and we've had it done to us. And the cool thing is that we have to work through this stuff in the past, now, and in the future. And I'm not trying to say bad things, like you're going to have to go through some hard stuff, but you are going to have to go through some hard stuff. This is life. This is the way it is. You know, when we get saved, God didn't quarantine us in a little bubble, and then, you know, we go to heaven when we die. He wants us actually working through the process of maturing, growing up, getting healed, walking in life and wholeness and freedom and, and being able to relate to people in a healthy way and, you know, and not have all that stuff all the time. You know, he wants that for us. And so let's talk about it. Discipleship in community. In community, we learn, first of all, number one, I got three things. And the first one is this. We learn to be one with others without losing our own identity. We learn to be one with others without losing our own identity. So to quote that famous theologian Bono, we're one, but we're not the same. We're one, but we're, it actually is a solid Trinitarian theology, by the way. We're one, but we're not the same. And so this is being in the image of God for us to be one people, and yet everybody diverse. And different. You know, around the throne, the worship that's going on, it's like nonstop, holy is the Lord, holy is the Lord, almighty was and is and is to come. There's that kind of worship going on, but check it out. It's every tribe and language and nation and tongue. There's unity in worship, but this incredible beauty and diversity, just like there's diversity in my body. You know, I, my hand doesn't always understand what the message is from the wrist or the elbow or the shoulder or the head. But there is a certain amount of, you know, control here from my shoulder to these fingers, to the elbow, to these fingers. The fingers do really cool stuff, you know. They get to, they're kind of the stars on these appendages. Just keep going. <laughs> Let me pull back in here, sorry. Uh, I was Father, Son, Holy Spirit, yes. So, so being one, and yet there's boundaries. So marriage is such a great picture of this. Ephesians 5, 22 to 33, that whole section there is about this process that we go through as the church, learning intimacy and learning while we're still separate. So we're compared to a, a relationship with Jesus that's intimate, and yet we don't lose ourselves. We don't, we're not a drop that falls into the ocean and is just gone, that kind of oneness. But so let's say like this marriage here, 30 wonderful years of marriage with Kim. And mostly, you know, it's, it's great, but we've had to learn over time. We're one, but there's still boundaries in identity. Does that make sense? So she's still Kim and I'm still Jamie. And sometimes I cross those boundaries and I try to get her to do something without her thinking it through. And sometimes she just goes, yeah, that's great. And just, she's wonderful. She's awesome. 
And there are sometimes I kind of cross that boundary and trying to get her to see something or understand something. And, and she'll say, could you say that again? And I'll say it again. So here's what I do sometimes. I don't know if you guys have ever do this, but I'll say it uh, the same words more slowly and in a deeper voice. So I'll, I'll slow down, I'll say it slower in a deep, deeper voice. And so over time, we've learned how to deal with that. And so she'll say, oh, I see, Jamie, you want me to understand this thing that I do not now currently understand. Is that what you, and I'm going, I'm using teachy voice? She goes, oh, yeah. So teachy voice for us is code for you're kind of pressing over a little bit and being demeaning to me about this thing. And then you think if you'll just say it slower and in a deeper voice that I'll get it. So that's a, that's a kind of fun example. Um, actually, in those moments, it's not always... <laughs> We're not always chuckling like this. Uh, yeah, teachy voice bad. Just teachy voice, teachy voice bad. Okay, so or here's another one. Another way this happens in the church is when I see my purpose and my gifts, and then I start, I have those glasses on, and those are my glasses for all of life. You know, I've got this gift, you need to be doing my gift. You need to be doing my gift, you need to be doing what I'm doing. Right? Anybody ever? And so it's part of how we learn to grow up together is realizing that there's a diversity of people out there. I'm living in life, life and community, and not everybody thinks the same way. Not everybody has the same spiritual gift. Not everybody's the same body part. You know, all, we could go on and on about those things. And so a piece of this, uh, Yancey and James and I were talking yesterday. We were doing some work together, and, and, uh, and Micah was there as well. And... Uh, we got to talking about, there's a book by Pete Scazzaro called Emotionally Healthy Churches. And uh, one of the thesis statements of this book is that just because we're pursuing uh, discipleship and spiritual growth, it's, it, our spiritual growth will be limited by our emotional maturity if we're not growing emotionally. So we can think we're like rock star disciple of Jesus you know, yeah, you know, it just and we, we got it going on. But if we can't relate to people in an emotionally healthy way, we are so we're, we're not we're not up here. We're, we're, there's there's a limiting dragging us down thing. And so we have to learn how to uh, relate in ways if we're 30 or 40 years old. I don't relate to people like I'm 13 or 14 years old. I grow up. And so I don't do the same stuff of, you know, whatever I did when I was 13 or 14. And all of the, the stuff, it's just hard about growing up. There's, there's a piece of growing up there that the Lord's really calling us into. And, and so we lean into relationships. We turn toward one another when we're experiencing hard stuff. That's part of what living life together in the church is all about. There's all these opportunities for sharpening and, and growing. Henry Cloud has a new little book called The Power of the Other. And in that, he said, sometimes in community, we, we get a needed push and we get help to do the thing that we ought to do. 
You know, it helps us to be in community, to know what to do, and to know uh, that we really need to turn toward other people. One of the biggest obstacles for this happening in the church, whether it's leadership, whatever your leadership role is, whatever mine might be, one of the biggest obstacles is self-deception. Self-deception is where I'm looking out and I'm going, the problem's out there. It's, so, it's somewhere else. It's not, it's, not, it's not me. And so I assign blame to other people and situations. And so it makes it impossible for me to rightly see myself and my own piece of the, the, the community life that I'm, I'm living in. Uh, again, another book reference. I'm doing a bunch of that this morning. But Brene Brown has this book called Rising Strong. And she says we, a lot of times when we go through hard stuff, we have what we call a crummy, and I'm paraphrasing, a crummy first draft. And that's just our version of the way things happened or went down, you know, of, of a hard situation. Now, it takes maturity and growth in us to go back and look at that first draft again and go, hey, could this story be told in a better way? Make sense? By tracking with, is this hard to understand? Uh, um, you know, it's, it's could this could this thing be told better? Could I, could I be seeing myself and my piece of this thing any better? So that's, that's the first piece, is to be one with others without just merging, melding, not overdoing being too close, but at the same time, I don't want to be so far away that I'm not actually a part of the community. So there's, there's, a, there's a healthy part of how we're together as a whole where we are individuals, and yet we're still one. There you go. That's the first one. In community, we learn that. Second piece. In community, we learn to work through the real and the ideal. Okay, we touched on this last week, and that is that the kingdom of God is now. Jesus comes, the reign of God is here. It's now. But the kingdom of God is also not yet. We're longing for Him to come again. And so what's happened is that future reign where everything's right and righteous and there's peace and plenty and justice, you know, that, that reign of God has broken into this age that we live in right now in Jesus Christ and His life and ministry and death and resurrection and ascension. And we live in this in-between time, don't we? You know, where we get to see healings, but we don't always see everybody healed. You know, we get to see wholeness, but there's always, we've kind of been on a journey. The reason I'm saying that is it's easy for us sometimes to get that the kingdom of God is now and not yet. And this is one of the most important things I'm going to say today. Worth, worth the uh, price of admission, whatever. It's free. And that is that the church, you guys, is also now and not yet. Like that's like a that, that'll blow your mind in a positive, wonderful way to get the church is now and not yet. It starts making room when we miss this, we end up imposing things on other people and our idea of the church that we couldn't do ourselves in a hundred years. But we impose that on other people. And so it's a it's a huge uh, thing for us to to see. Scott McKnight, in, the, in his book, Kingdom Conspiracy, says, and I'm quoting, 
to the same degree that the kingdom has been inaugurated in Jesus. Everybody understand what that means? It started in Jesus. To the same degree it's been inaugurated in Jesus, the kingdom can be realized among us. And to the degree that the kingdom has not been realized, it cannot be lived out in the present. Now, why is that so important? It's important because we can't expect perfection from other people right now. And man, I mean, this this will help us. This will help us be, uh, be people that are being healed and in a process of being made whole and being able to forgive. We are saints and we are sinners. You know, church, just it, it can be this, this incredible, uh, uh, you can have some of the most wonderful open heaven kinds of experiences and you go, this is so awesome. And it can also be mind-bogglingly frustrating. I remember when Jim Reynolds uh, was here last fall. He's one of my mentors, and he's 74 years old. And a, a woman came to him one time. She said, I've been hurt by the church. And Jim said, I've been hurt more. I mean, he had. He's working with people all the time. And we, we've all been hurt. If you haven't been hurt, then, you know, it's just, and so you can carry around an ideal that will crush you and cause you to miss God's purpose for your life in the context of community. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, famous martyr from the last century, uh, was speaking to his uh, seminary students. And he told them they had to slay their ideals of the, of the present church. And I quote, and I put this in your, in your bulletins as well. But he said, those who love their dream of a Christian community more than the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community, even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest and earnest and sacrificial. So let's just, thinking caps are on. Those who love their dream, the ideal of Christian community more than the actual community itself will end up hurting this because of an ideal that can't be lived out. Now, we're all, we all participate in this. I mean, it's why we plant churches. I, I want to see things made right. I'm in. I, I, I want to see that. And yet, I have to hold in tension the fact that we're on a journey. And everybody needs grace. And everybody is pretty much trying to do the best they can. I mean, yeah, that's just really the truth, man. Everybody's just, everybody's trying to figure it out. And so, a huge... Huge thing. So part of growing in community as disciples is learning to work through the real, the ideal, the now and the not yet. Okay? Everybody tracking there. The, the last piece then is in community, we learn to hear God and love others. And uh, so here I'm just, my thought is uh, Matthew, excuse me, Mark, Mark chapter 12. This is a famous story, the great commandment, greatest commandment, second greatest commandment. And the reason I got to this, um, Kim and I are leading the training school, first time since 2001 and 2002, and it's going to be an awesome training school. It's going to be, it's going to be incredible. 
Um, but it's got me, it's pushed me back to my roots. And uh, my spiritual dad back in those days, uh, really even more so than now, is a guy named Don Fento. And I would just go and stay with him for a week at a time. And just, I learned about spiritual disciplines from Don and all this. And I looked him up and uh, he had done a message at Beltway Park in Abilene a few months ago or a month or so, a couple months ago. And, uh, and, he, and he shared this piece about the greatest commandment. The guy comes and says, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, hear, O Israel, the Lord, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, so, and I'm thinking he's going to go, the message is going to be about love. And he's, he even said, you might think that I'm going to preach a message about love. He, he, by the way, he's 86, healthy, vibrant, looks more like Jesus than anybody I've ever known. And, uh, but he said, I want to talk to you about hearing God. And about listening. Again, what does Jesus say? He goes, Shema Israel. You know, El Shaddai, El Hainu, Adonai, all the different words that are there in that, in that, uh, in that, that phrase in Hebrew. But, but he says, Shema. Shema is listen. Hear. Listen. And then you can love. So, you know, it's, it's a huge thing for us as we walk in community to be people that listen to God, you know, and we can we can run the gamut on hearing God. Um, I mean, again, the Peter story that I referred to earlier, I mean, Peter confesses Christ revelation from God. A few verses later, Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. You know, you thought that was your idea, but that was actually Satan's idea, you know, and so we're just we're on this journey, and so instead of just being neutral, we want to be people that are trying to hear God speak to us and respond to Him just in all the ebb and flow of life. Huge. Shema Israel. And so we all have these different areas of concern. I remember, you know, with Kim and our kids, just learning to hear God for the, all the different forks in the road, where there was an open door or a closed door, and saying, Lord, show us what to do? How do we do this? How do we, how do we parent? How do we love each other? All of these different things. And, and in the church, it's the same way. There's all these different spheres of concern. You know, we've got volunteers that meet. We've got life group leaders that, that are trying to hear the Lord for different things for life groups. We've got youth and, uh, you know, all of these different areas of concern. Discipleship. And we want to hear the Lord and what He's saying. And always, always, always to love. To love one another because that is to be the identifying mark of what this community looks like. We're disciples that love one another. This past week, I got a couple different calls all on the, on the same day. One call was uh, actually the night before was somebody saying, Jamie, will you and Kim pray with us. We're trying to make a big decision and they're trying to hear the Lord. Part of how we hear is in community. You know, you don't want to be making some big, huge choice, you know, and you're just kind of riding off into the sunset, you know, see y'all later, you know, and you've made this choice without the, the key people that are in your sphere of concern. Bring like, what's the Lord saying? Give us wisdom on this. And so it was great just being able to process. We had a little nugget of something, you know, for her. And, and the Lord, I think, spoke through that whole situation. Got another phone call 
You know, somebody was going through a really, one of our life groups, going through a really hard time and needing to know how do we love these people during this time that they're going through, you know, and just processing that a little. How do we do this? You know, and that's, it's, it's a community thing. It's us learning to do that together. Now, let me wrap this up uh, this morning. Um, these are just some beginning thoughts, of course. It's a journey but we do these things, practices, spiritual disciplines, um, even the regular worship that we come in here. It's not, I'm not checking off a box so that I can say I went to church on Sunday. It's my life is actually shaped, my thinking, my heart, my desires are shaped by standing in here with you guys, worshiping the Lord and saying Jesus is King and He's Lord and He's awesome and that something about that stirs me up. And we sing this song, I surrender, I surrender all. You know, I, sometimes I may mean it like I, 60% Lord, you know, but I, I'm, it moves me. It, it moves me. It opens up my heart to be able to believe it. So worship and prayer, when we pray together, those are listening places to God. We're asking, we're binding and loosing things. And it's shaping us. It's shaping the community when we pray like that. Uh, Lord's Supper, you know, is one of those times. It's a, traditionally called a sacrament. And it's just something we do in the physical that helps us to experience God's presence right now. You know, and, and a lot of the church sees those as baptism and Lord's Supper. I would add a whole bunch of other things, actually. That I, we're, worship, man, I experience the presence of God. Prayer, experience the presence of God. Eating meals with brothers and sisters. When we're sitting there and we say, Jesus, reveal yourself to us as we break this bread together. You know, so uh, baptism, you know, is a, a huge one. We're, we're, as an individual, identifying with Jesus, but also with the community. I mean, these are huge things that we do that we're going to keep doing that, that shape us and uh, another one would be using our spiritual gifts to serve one another or listening to, a, uh, to the Lord for a word for Evelyn or for Brian or for Ashley or for Chris. Listening, and there's something about God's presence that is just ignited in our midst when we lay hands on somebody and believe that God's got an encouraging, you know, I was just getting this verse for you, just Matthew 6, I don't know, it's about just pressing in and seeking the kingdom more than anything else. In life, and I just I felt like the Lord wanted me to come and share that with you. And you lay a hand on their shoulder and just pray. God bless them to be people that seek the kingdom more than anything else. So we uh, we grow together, and we grow up together, and we're we're on a journey. And I, I, sometimes I do it well. Sometimes I I mess it up. It's a good thing for us to be more self aware, to be more self aware. Like Lord, show me where I've helped this whole thing happened better. And it's good to know that. You know, and it's good to tell each other, hey, it's good when you do that. When you use that spiritual gift, man, that is, that's awesome to be encouragers of that. And it's also good, good to know, Lord, show me when I've hindered things, when I've, when I've been a, you know, a stumbling block in this whole process. It's good to be aware because we are a pilgrim people. We're a pilgrim people. You know, you've got Sam's Club. We talk about this. Sam's Club is you pay your dues, you get a few benefits, get to go in there to Sam's Club. We're not Sam's Club. We're more like a wagon train. Okay? So uh, wagon train's got, you know, uh, he's got Curly, you know, and he's, 
he's cooking the beans and stuff, and there's some scouts, and there's some people helping to educate the kids, and, but we're on a journey, I don't even know if that's PC anymore, but just, the point is, we're on a journey, we're going somewhere, we've, we're on a trajectory of being shaped and changed into the image of Christ, and it's a process that takes the whole village for me to actually grow up. If I try to do the little bubble and then I go to heaven one day, if I try to do that and just live this lifestyle without other people, I miss out on so much and remain so uh, emotionally uh, less than what God would have me be by actually working through stuff, experiencing the joys of, and this is not just extroverts, it's introverts, it's all of us are shaped by this whole thing together. Last week, we finished by talking about finances and in that it's a practice. I practice that to put my feet on the ground in my discipleship. And guys, this is a practice as well. Practicing doing life together is part of how we grow. And it's messy and it's not perfect and we're now but we're not yet and we give grace. You know, and so as we're about to have some ministry here, I want you to just know there's, there's tension places for all of us. There's times when I, what I really need is patience. And then there's times where I need to do something. There's times where I need to receive grace. There's times where I need to give it. There's times where I need to receive forgiveness. There's times where I need to give it. And this, all of those things fit together to make harmonies and, and beauty and art. And we become a masterpiece of God's work in our midst. So stand up. Let's, let's respond to the Lord on this. We've got a little time here. And just uh, if you're visiting with us, we do this at the end of every service. Worship team's coming. Ministry team's coming. And it just helps sometimes to just respond in the moment to what the Lord is saying. You know, and if he's speaking something to you, maybe about church or about Connecting, you know, this is like the, what we're talking about here is a deep value. It's a deep seated belief that we're changed together, that we walk things out together, that we learn to love even through difficulties and through successes and through hard times. And so, Father, I just pray that in the tension places and the places where we need grace or patience or action or all those different things, Lord, would you just meet us today? In Jesus' mighty name, would you, if there's a, a place where we need to, Lord, just get some prayer because we're in, the, we're in the now, but we're also in the not yet. Lord, if there's places where we need to recognize boundaries or press back in and turn toward someone as an, as an act of growing up or emotional maturity, Lord, I pray that you'd help us if we've got some crummy drafts about things that have happened in our past. Lord, it could be 20 years ago or 10 or 5 or 2. But Lord, help us to move forward. Help us to receive your healing so that we can be healers. To receive your grace so that we can give it. To receive your forgiveness so that we can give it. Yeah, and Lord, just we want to grow up. We want to grow up into the very image of Jesus. So help us together in Jesus' mighty name. Okay, so hey guys, just respond in your hearts. 
get prayer. There's guys that, these guys can all pray for you in powerful ways. And sometimes it helps to just put a stake in the ground and get some prayer and go for it. So don't miss the opportunity. If you need healing, finances, any kind of difficult thing you're going through, get prayer. Love you guys.